there's one thing we can take from Charles Bradley's cover version of Changes by Black Sabbath, is that change is painful. You can hear the agony in his voice, the man's even groaning to hammer home on a point. Change is traumatic leopard friends. And you can pin the tail on the donkey, also painful, at any point between 1979 and 1987. And when it comes to the story of Death Leopard, there's a very good chance you land on a saga of change and pain in the Death Leopard camp. Because the first decade of Death Leopard's existence essentially sees the exact same story repeat itself three times. It's the musical version of Star Wars. Young, talented Jedi with loads of potential is tutored, stretched and challenged to near collapse by a wise mentor. Chaos ensues, but ultimately the said youngsters get better. And you can wash and rinse this story three times with Anakin, Luke and Rey Skywalker. And in the same vein with Def Leppard, you bring in Robert John Mutlang Kenobi to push the lads to the very brink to better the album which has come before and try and break new ground. And again, you wash and rinse this three times with 1981's High and Dry, 1983's Pyromania and 1987's Hysteria, each of which looked to take a substantial leap forward from what had come before and all came with sweat blood and tears. So, when there's so many points in time to choose from to tell a Def Leppard story all about change and the pain and the success which accompanies it, where and what do we choose? Well, in this, episode 7 of the officially unofficial Def Leppard podcast, Def Leppard Pod, let's go to the very first big change and we'll peruse track 1, side 1 of 1981's High and Dry and the song let it go. And we'll also ponder the question, was this first change really all down to Robert John Mutlang? Or do the Leps deserve a bit more credit than they're normally given? So let's find out. Let's go. Right then, if we're going to have a chat about how the song Let It Go marks a substantial change to what had come before, then let's draw a quick comparison. Let's imagine that our discerning Def Leppard fan listens to Def Leppard's debut album On Through the Night in the month of its release in March 1980. He finishes the album, however, he is plunged into a trance-like state where trying to get his head round the fact that that drummer is only 16 years old. And all he sees and experiences for the next 16 months are visions of floating Rick Allen heads revolving like a multicoloured kaleidoscope in front of his eyes. But then, in July 1981, someone waves a copy of the new High and Dry album in front of his face and brings him back to his senses. He takes the record and he puts it on. Time has existed in a vacuum for those 16 months. Here is the last 30 seconds he hears of Overture, the last track from On Through the Night, and, as he experiences it, immediately after, the first 30 seconds of Let It Go, the first song from High and Dry.
we can agree quite the difference. And as a disclaimer, Def Pod is not saying difference necessarily means better, as Def Pod actually prefers Overture to let it go. However, there is a distinct change and a progression in sound. And that change is best summed up by a quote from Joe Elliott, where he says of High and Dry, which obviously includes the song Let It Go, that, and I quote, it sounded punchy and professional, and generally speaking, it was the start of where we wanted to go. Now, I like the word punchy because I think it's actually a good way of summing up the difference between those two clips that you've just heard. Overture is a brilliant song, but at nearly eight minutes long, it is not punchy. It's all jangly guitars and wispy backing vocals. And lyrically, it talks of abstract concepts like beacons of light and time being an essence and being on our side. And if we're going to go full literary critique, the word essence itself conjures up the idea of something intangible, something that you can't quite pin down. Great, just not punchy. Let it go on the other hand, is lean and mean and kicks in with a simple and memorable riff and it gets its message across in three words, three syllables and just seven letters. Let it go. It's punchy. You wouldn't say Overture doesn't sound professional, but Let It Go, it just sounds a different type of professional. Now Let It Go was the lead single as well as the lead track from High and Dry and commercially it made very little impact. It barely registers in the UK. And in the US, it only hits number 34 in the mainstream rock charts. However, there's a whole world of great songs that don't capture the public's imagination at the time of release. Doesn't mean that they're a bad song. And Let It Go is symptomatic of the response to High and Dry as a whole. And to quote Joe again, Everybody loved it, but nobody brought it. Let It Go kicks off what Def Leppard see as their big rock album. They say that they would never make an album as intense as High and Dry again. And it's a small detail about the live performance of Let It Go, which demonstrates that they very much see it as a signature tune, a real rocker that should have been a hit, that should have the red carpet rolled out in front of it before it's performed. chatted before about how Leopard's guitarists would have a solo spot before certain songs during their live sets. So in 1987 and 1988, and 1992 and 1993, these solos are used in the main to introduce what we would class as more epic songs, whether it be Gods of War or White Lightning. But back in 1983, on the Pyromania tour, where this clip is from, live at the LA Forum, Phil and Steve have their solo spots before the big rock songs, the ones that are really going to get the crowd going. So in 1983, Steve's solo is before Wasted, 
and with Phil's, it's before Let It Go. If you actually look at Phil's spot on the Asteria tour, it comes just before Rock of Ages, one of the staple big rock tunes in any Def Leppard show. So before the epic songs began to get a special introduction, there's a clear trend earlier in Def Leppard's career that it's the big rock song that are going to deliver the musical punch and which are considered worthy of a statement opening with a guitar solo from Steve or from Phil. And it's clear that Let It Go was quickly identified by the band as a song to deliver a musical knockout blow. But the question is, how did we get to this point? What moves the Leps on from a sprawling song that's nearly eight minutes long with its talk of the essence of time? to a song that rides on the back of a memorable riff for just over four minutes and begins with the talk of a cool woman and cool eyes. Well, the answer, my friend, is Blowing in the Wind and is the producer, Mutt Lang. Please note here that there's a clever pun in that last sentence about the lyrical content of Let It Go and we'll get to that later in a very awkward British moment. You're going to need to steal yourself. And yes, that is yet another Def Leppard pun. Steal Sheffield. I spoil you. I really do. Now, as you may already know, the song Let It Go existed to some extent in a previous musical life as the song When the Rain Falls. Now, we'll look at that transformation from When the Rain Falls into Let It Go in a fair bit of detail. And we'll start with the lyrical content. So what do you think When the Rain Falls could possibly be about? Whether you've heard it or not. Because we're in the rock or hard rock or metal genre here in 1980, I assume that it must be some sort of metaphor for something apocalyptic, a close cousin of a song like When the Walls Come Tumbling Down. Fall and rain surely must represent bad things going down, because surely no one would write a song literally about watching falling rain. Well, stand up and take a bow my second dad, young Joe Elliott, because that's exactly what this song is about. It's about being cooped up in your mum and dad's house, watching the rain fall outside and feeling just a little bit glum. So this was the first thing that Mutt Lang instructed the band to change. Different lyrics were needed. Now, if the Leps had been kicking around 180 years earlier, then all of this lyricism about the natural world would have been bang on trend. As you well know, the late 18th and early 19th century was a rocking time for Britain's romantic poets like Wordsworth, Coleridge and Blake. A long-haired Wordsworth would no doubt have had ladies throwing their knickers on the stage as he recited his poem Daffodils. However, in 1980, musing about nature wouldn't cut it and Mutt ordered something a bit more manly and a bit more biological. Joe explains this in a magazine interview and to quote him, I became quite a macho character on High and Dry compared to the first album, with things like Let It Go and High and Dry. I'm this kind of beer-swilling bastard, which I really wasn't, but that was more trying to push me out front. We talked in episode 5 about the rock and roll clown lyric in a song Photograph, and how it was the singer of the band writ large, caricatured, made larger than life. And we can see on High and Dry that this was a premeditated move by Mutt to cast Joe as what people might expect from a rock star. And Joe's admission here that this is a role that he's simply playing rather than living, and that a song like Let It Go doesn't really represent him at all, is borne out in this clip from Rockline Phone-In Show at the time of High and Dry Tour in 1981. And as you'll hear, the Lep's bad behaviour is actually pretty tame. And we're back in Rockline with... Uh... Uh, Joe and Steve of Def Leppard. We're going back to the uh, Rockline uh, 
phones and we're going to pick up on Norfolk. And we got Wayne. Go ahead, Wayne, check in. Wayne, are you there? Hi, Wayne. Mm -hmm. Hi, Joe. This is Wayne. <laughs> We've been sitting around here at WNOR in Norfolk, and I'd like to know where's Sam Shampoo? <laughs> What is this? There's an in thing here. What am I? What is going yeah, by me here? I'd just like to announce that God knows how many millions are listening. I think this is Rick Allen, our drummer, on the phone. Oh, Joe, how are you doing? <laughs> Hello, Foxy Mama. Yeah. Hey, Foxy Mama. Oh, yeah, you mofo. <laughs> yeah, this is a total in joke. I don't understand it either. How you doing, Joe? I'm fine. How are you? Good, good. We're yeah. doing fine here. Yo. You want one shot? Go on, then. Uh, stay on there a minute. He's lost his shampoo. <laughs> now, which one is this that's over there in North Africa? It's Tumbo. Now, sir, I'm well. Can you run it? Tumbo. We can on new and on. Can you? That's our bass player. How are you? Um, you're, you're fired. What have you been drinking? <laughs> what do you mean I'm fired? <laughs> what have you been drinking? <laughs> They're all stoned. That's what it is. They're all stoned. They're all stoned. No, no, we're straight as a diner. <laughs> <laughs> what? Straight as a what? That is a die and a die is bent. Okay. <laughs> no, we, we've just been working all day, not traveling around on airplanes. <laughs> Cheers. I'll remember you when we get back. Oh, great stuff. And our next call, please. On the next call, please. Like Rick, is this Rick Savage? Yeah, that's right. They, they don't want to talk to you anymore, Rick. Anything else you really want to say to them? Uh, no, not really. Just <laughs> get back. We've got a gig tomorrow over here. <laughs> yeah, we'll see you later. What do you, what do you, Rick, before you go, well, you're, you're WNOR, right? That's right. What yeah. are you guys doing up there? You're being interviewed over there? Yeah, we were doing, yeah, about uh, half an hour ago. Yeah, it was really good. You and who else? Yes, uh, well, Peter and, and Rick. Oh, the other three. Yeah, Okay. Right. Well, phenomenal. Thank you for checking in, Wayne. Yeah. Okay, well, thank you. Now what I really like about this clip is that rather than sounding like a beer swilling macho lout, Joe just sounds like a disappointed, mildly annoyed father. When he says, you're fired, I sense a small part of him means it. And when he asks them what they've been drinking, the tone, if written in the language of text, could be best summed up as FFS. So, Let It Go is a macho song but so far we've steered well clear of what it is specifically about. And you see, Def Left Pod is a podcast for the whole family, and I genuinely don't want to prohibit kids who might be getting into Def Leppard for the first time listening to Def Left Pod by virtue of parental advisory content. And I appreciate at this point I have recently said the word bastard, but you know, I can't protect them all from everything. So let's put it like this when explaining what Let It Go is all about. When two people like each other, they'll have a hug. But when two people really like each other, they might have what we call a special hug. And this song is all about that type of special hug and the special feelings that occur. And that's what the reference to the big C in the song is all about. And let's put it this way. When the rain falls might have been a relevant title after all. We'll leave it there. Go and read the lyrics. And if you can't work it out, well, you know, that's fine. We're all mates here. So, as a quick aside, while on the topic of filth, the song High and Dry was actually put on a list of 15 filthy songs by a group called the Parents Music Resource Centre, which was formed in 1985 by Tipper Gore, wife of future US President Al Gore. Now, if she bothered to listen to Let It Go, it's safe to say that the list might have been a filthy 16. Okay then, so let's start having a listen to how When the Rain Falls is changed into Let It Go under the tutorage of Mutlang. 
Now, it's quite easy to find bits of information about this transformation, but the main overarching theme always mentioned is that Mutt wanted the boys to slow the song down. And indeed, such was the mantra from Mutt that it's interesting to ponder whether there's a second meaning behind the oral acrobatics described when Joe sings, slow down, hold on, you're too fast, you're too strong, take it easy, take it slow, make it last, don't let go. This is, after all, precisely what Mutt had asked him to do in regards to the tempo of the song. Maybe this is form relating to content in a more purposeful way than we ever could have expected. So here's the opening riff from When the Rain Falls and Let It Go, and see if you can hear the difference. there is a slight difference that opening riff is definitely a bit slower in let it go however i'm not entirely convinced that this is a significant change or really impacts on the quality of the song and it's important to note that the only recording in the public domain of when the rain falls is live and anyone who's ever been into a gig before will know that there's a natural tendency for songs to be played just a little bit faster I mean, listen to this. This is the opening of Let It Go Live in 1983, and it's even faster than how it's played in When the Rain Falls. As you can hear, it's quite frantic when played live, and I remain unconvinced that Mutt has borne any real influence on the speed of this riff or how it affects the quality of the song. Now where you can hear the speed difference and how Let It Go does begin to become superior to when the rain falls is in the verses. Have a listen to the two verses here and you'll see what I mean. Not only is the verse to Let It Go much slower than the verse to When The Rain Falls, but the guitars also become much more sparse and pushes the vocal to the front just as Mutt had wanted. And the melody is obviously different too, and the choice of words and of phrasing means that it's phonetically more pleasing and rhythmic and more closely mirrors the beat and the rhythm of the song. It's that punchy professionalism rearing its head again. 
Now, this is the main change to the song where Mutt earns his stripes. The band have said of Mutt in High and Dry that it was really hard work because he insisted on, and I quote, army discipline. It's his relentless insistence on making a band try, try and try again with different ways of playing this song which helped to transform it. It might be a painful process indeed, but it's one which delivers results and particularly in the verse where I think it's pretty much indisputable that the verse to Let It Go is definitely better than the verse to When The Rain Falls. So one last thing on the speed before we move on to other parts of the song. You'll have heard of the internet, yes? Well, you can find all sorts of wonderful information on there. And I managed to dig up some useless information for you. That's my job. And Let It Go is played at the rate of 132 beats per minute. Now, as a point of reference... Other songs also played at 132 beats per minute are Fall to Pieces by Velvet Revolver, Super Freak by Rick James and I'm Your Man by Wham. Eclectic Company, I'm sure you'll agree, Leopard Friends. Now, beats per minute are obviously measurable. However, the same site does have some other rather more dubious and abstract musical measurements. And you may be interested to know that in the song Let It Go, it has a danceability score of 49 out of 100, an energy score of 95 out of 100, and a liveness score of 99 out of 100. I'm not sure exactly how liveness differs to energy, but hey-ho. And finally, it has an acousticness score of 1 out of 10. And I'll be honest with you, I don't think acousticness is even a real word. However, if you ever want to share some knowledge about Let It Go, then there you go, there's some numbers. Right, let's talk about the chorus, and let's have a listen to the chorus of Let It Go. Here we go. Marvellous, I might just buy that. So at this point, it's not possible to do a like-for-like chorus comparison between When the Rain Falls and Let It Go, because they actually have a different structure, which is quite interesting in itself. The chorus in When the Rain Falls is in the same musical section as what I'm incorrectly calling the atmospheric bit in Let It Go, which is added to the end of some of, but not all of, the choruses. So what you'll hear now is Let It Go first, and then two of the choruses in When the Rain Falls, which in and of themselves are slightly different to each other, which might point to the fact that at this time, it's still a song in progress.
This is where I'm less sure whether the chorus of Let It Go is actually an improvement on When The Rain Falls. Now this is a personal opinion, so don't be putting any horses' heads in my bed. I have a virtuous reason though. I love that atmospheric section, incorrectly called, added to the end of the Let It Go chorus. It's one of my favourite parts of the song. And it's quite unusual as well because it's like a bridge but in the wrong place. So normally the bridge of a song does what it says on a tin. It acts as a bridge. But it acts as a bridge between the verse and the chorus. And let it go. It's a bridge that takes us out of the chorus and back into the verse or another part of the song. But anyway, the reason I might just favour when the rain falls, where it uses this inverted bridge as such as the main chorus, is that I just get to hear it more often and I really like it. So I want to hear it more than I get to hear it and let it go. And the words are different, but it's essentially the same vibe and the same feeling. However, you can see that if they were trying to make it into a more rocking macho song, then they would have to turn it around, they would have to reduce this, and they would have to write a new, upbeat, more sing-along chorus. So, fair play. As you can hear, there's some big changes in there that are influenced by the guidance of Mutt Lang. And it's admirable, I think, how open the band are about the influence of Mutt and the sheer scale of credit that they give him in contributing to the success of the band. They never ever underplay it. He is treated like a sixth member of the band. And obviously the influence of Mutt can be a stick to be Death Leopard with for them to be portrayed as puppets of some sort. And it's quite easy to find this stuff. But I do think it's important to add a little bit of balance to this point of view. Yes, Mutt helped to change and evolve Death Leopard. That's absolutely undeniable. There is no dispute in that. But they have never been incapable themselves of reflecting on their own songs and making changes for the better, even at the very beginning before Mutt enters the picture, and they're a band who know how to improve themselves. The very first song written by Def Leppard was called Misty Dreamer. Now it's not a song that features on any album and it was discarded by the band quite early on. However, as you'll hear now, they took the best part of that song and built another much better song around it. And they wrote Sorrow is a Woman from the On Through the Night album. And you can hear that in this clip. So first, here's some of Misty Dreamer, followed by Sorrow is a Woman. So yes, Mutt Lang helped to transform When The Rain Falls into Let It Go. But well before Mutt arrived, Def Leppard transformed Misty Dreamer into Sorrow Is A Woman. The evolution of Def Leppard and the self-critiquing and the honing of songwriting craft 
begins immediately on the band's formation. You can hear this in the early song recorded in 1979 at the Fairview Studios in Hull, just after the recording of the Def Leppard EP, and it's a song called See the Lights. The band are really experimental with this, it sounds completely different to any other Def Leppard song you've ever heard. Have a listen. As I said, See The Light sounds to me like no other Def Leppard song I can think of. I actually thought at some point that it might just be a cover and not a song that they'd written themselves, but I haven't looked into it. There's nothing to suggest that it is a cover and I do believe it is one of their own songs. But it doesn't even sound like Def Leppard. Those guitars sound more like something you'd expect to hear from early 80s R.E.M. when they were still an indie band. Now they obviously didn't go on to release this song themselves, It features on a record called Fair Strike, which was released by their original managers without their permission. Now it's a good song, and I like it, but more importantly, what it shows is that Def Leppard are more than capable themselves of changing their sound and trying different things under their own steam, and have always liked to actively mould themselves into different shapes and try out different things. Mutt Lang might have been the catalyst for change, But he's not the origin of change in Def Leppard. They can do this themselves. So we're going to conclude now. But just a little heads up. If you stick around after the next clip of Let It Go. The bit where we would normally end and then you'd hear the crowd cheering and all of that. I'm actually going to cover some miscellaneous items about the song. Suggested by Def Leppard listeners. So to summarise. Let It Go, like all of High and Dry. Was written and rehearsed in a paper factory where Rick Allen's mum worked as a secretary for a local paper company. This was in Drumfield, some miles south of Sheffield. And it's always amused me that for a band who often talk about Def Leppard being a way out of a life destined for factory work in the north of England, that they're never out of factories in those early years. Pre On Through The Night, they rehearse in a spoon factory. Pre High and Dry, they write and rehearse in a paper factory. And perhaps the makeup of those factories unknowingly reflect the two approaches to those two albums and show the change. On Through the Night rehearsed in rooms that produce steel and it's the closest that Def Leppard come to a heavy metal album. Whilst High and Dry, and in particular the song like Let It Go, had that bit more craft, that bit more planning. Planning which needed sketching out, sometimes ripping up and writing new words down to replace old ones. Let It Go is written by and credited to Joe Elliott, Steve Clark and Pete Willis. Ultimately, all of the ideas came from them, from the band themselves. Mutt did come in and made them work harder than they had ever worked before and caused some pain. And he helped them to think differently and expand their minds and made them draft and redraft songs. That ability to change was already there in the makeup of Def Leppard. In the stories of change... Mutt Lang definitely plays some part in this first story in the song of Let It Go. 
but it's later on in those later albums, Pyromania and Hysteria, when Muss begins to write with them, that they really begin to let it go, and that the idea of Def Leppard as a five-piece dissipates, and they invite Mutt in as a sixth, and then they go through the more radical, possibly more painful, but very successful change. Right then, if you're still here, well done. Thanks for sticking around. So, if this was a formal Def Leppard fan meeting, we were all sitting in a boardroom, then you could think of this section as AOB or any other business that we put on to the end of the meeting. And I think the first thing I wanted to say in this any other business section was just to say thank you really for listening. Um, and especially for those who I know have been listening from the first episode um, a few months ago. It's really, really appreciated. So, that's great. Uh, what I would say is if you do listen to the podcast, and you do like it, that if you could subscribe, that would be great. If you could leave a five-star rating, if your app of choice allows you to do that, that would be great. And really, just generally, if you can spread the word or share it with any Def Leppard fans that you think might be um, interested. Also, what you can do is follow the podcast on Facebook. We're on there as, I say we, it's me, um, but it just <laughs> it, it feels more professional to say we. So we are on there um, as Def Leppard Pod. Um, on Facebook, and also we are on Twitter under the Twitter handle at DefLepPod. Right, so talking of Twitter and talking of Facebook, what I did uh, a few weeks back was I actually put a message out there that if anyone had anything interesting that they wanted to say about Let It Go, then I'd actually include it where I could in the podcast. So I had a few people um, get back to me, and I've taken email of a gentleman called Paul who listens to the podcast. Thank you, Paul. He's on Twitter as at Big Chief Outlaw, if memory serves me correct. He's a big Daft Leopard fan, so you might want to follow him. Um, seems like a nice fella. So yeah, give him a follow. And he got in touch with me, and he raised a couple of interesting thoughts about Let It Go. And the thing he brought to my attention was that there's a song by the band Quiet Riot called Metal Health. Now, I don't really know Quiet Riot at all. I think they might be much bigger in the States um, than they are here. They're famous for their song Come On Feel A Noise, which is a little bit strange from my point of view because being from the UK, Come On Feel A Noise is very much a Slade song. Have a listen to the Quiet Riot version as compared to the Slade version. You can definitely see a similarity between the singer of Quiet Riot, I don't know his name, and Noddy Holder, who is the singer of Slade. So you can see why he did that. Anyway, we're not talking about that song. Uh, we're talking about a song called Metal Health. And what Paul's pointed out is that the beginning of the song and where it goes into the verse is very, very similar to the beginning of the song where it goes into the verse of Let It Go to the point that it's almost litigiously the same and slightly surprising maybe that they haven't been taken to court for it. So what I've done is I've merged the opening of the two songs together and you can have a little listen and see what you think. Cool. 
yeah, they do sound pretty similar, don't they? Yeah, definitely. Have they ripped it off? That is the question. I don't know. I was listening to the Talking Maiden podcast, which anyone who likes Iron Maiden, I would highly recommend that podcast. They've actually finished it now, but there's, I think there's like nearly 200 episodes on there where somehow they managed to do it week in, week out. But it's something interesting on that podcast where they talk about Two Minutes to Midnight and I can't remember exactly who it was, but someone took Iron Maiden to court because the opening riff to Two Minutes to Midnight sounded very similar to a song that they'd written. What they did on the Talk of Maiden podcast, which was quite interesting, is they actually found loads of different songs in which the opening riff to two minutes to midnight features in other songs and the riff is almost the same i think there's some things you do just get the case where the music that people come up with might not be massively original or it might just be something that's quite easy to come up with and then just ultimately when you get lots and lots of people writing songs you're going to end up with lots of people including the same bits of music or music that sounds similar in those different songs so i don't know if that's happened here maybe the beginning of let it go um, in the beginning of this song by Quiet Riot, maybe they're just fairly straightforward parts that people come up with on the guitar or parts that they come up with on songs. But nonetheless, you're right there, Paul. They definitely do sound very similar. And then the other thing that Paul came up with as well was the idea of songs, Def Leppard songs with the word go in the title. And I think it was a few episodes ago. Um, I can't remember which one. Um, it must be Let's Get Rocked where I merged together a few songs that all had rock in the title. It had escaped my notice entirely that there's also lots of Def Leppard songs with Go in the title. So there's six of them. So a little quiz for you now is I'm going to play the six Def Leppard songs that that we can think of with Go in the title, and they're in chronological order. So just before I play them, you might want to pause and see if you can have a guess what they are. But here they are. Here are the six Def Leppard songs with Go in the title. Whisper, all the tears you 
right? I don't know if you've got all of them. So in chronological order, you've obviously got Let It Go, which we've been talking a lot about. Then you've got Where Does Love Go When It Dies off Slang. Then you've got Long Long Way To Go off X. Is it X or 10? I don't know. <laughs> I think it's 10, isn't it? And I'm not entirely sure why it's called 10. It's because it's their ninth album, but I think they might be including Vault in there, which is a little bit cheeky, I hope. Long Long Way To Go off 10. Then we've got Go, which is the opening song of Songs from the Sparkle Lounge. Then we've got Gotta Let It Go, which is also off Songs from the Sparkle Lounge. And then we've got Let's Go from the self-titled album Def Leppard. Put a Twitter poll out there a while back and um, it didn't actually include the Where Does Love Go When It Dies and Long Long Way To Go because I forgot about them. So it just had Let It Go, Go, Gotta Let It Go and Let's Go. Uh, it was a poll in terms of which was people's favourite. And it was a clear winner. Pretty much everyone came out with uh, Let It Go. I can't remember the exact percentages, but it was definitely a, about 80% of people voted for Let It Go. I don't know whether in that poll, if I'd actually included Where Does Love Go When It Dies or A Long, Long Way To Go, whether that would have actually changed the outcome in any way. Uh, I'm not sure. I think Let It Go still wins. So Let It Go isn't actually my favourite Def Leppard Go song. I actually prefer Where Does Love Go When It Dies, which is one of my favourite Def Leppard songs ever. And also the opener to Songs From The Sparkle Lounge, the song that's just called Go. I've actually preferred those two. I don't know, however, that if that's just a relative recency bias in regards to... I mean, I've been listening to Let It Go for, what, 32... Yeah, 32 years um, I've been listening to Let It Go. Well, where does love go when it dies and go off Sparkle Lounge? I've obviously just heard less and been listening to less. And as much as I do like Let It Go, I suppose when you've heard a song so much, you then start leaning in um, to other ones. I think Gun to Head, Let It Go might just be the best out of those songs. But if you're going to ask me what I'd rather listen to, then probably where does love go when it dies and go itself. However, I know that is an opinion that probably most of you don't share, but it's fine. We're all mates. We'll do the same thing if there's anyone who has anything to say for the next episode. So for the next episode, episode 7 of Def Lep Pod is actually going to be the song Last Dance off the self-titled Def Leppard album. Um, and that was a listener's choice. I did a draw um, of 18 songs for episode 7. And we just decided whatever came out of the hat or the tin as it was, then I'd do a podcast on it. So Let's Dance, not, not, sorry, not Let's Dance, that's a David Bowie song. Last Dance by Def Leppard, that came out of the tin. So that's what episode seven is going to be about. So if you've got anything that you'd like to say, anything that we can include in the podcast that might be outside of the normal part of the podcast, then you can email the podcast at defleppod2020 at gmail.com. And if you've got anything that we can use, then what I'll do is I'll stick it in um, at the Any Other Business, I've decided that's what we're going to call it now, at the Any Other Business part of the podcast. Excellent. Thank you again for listening and see you next time.